0: I think in schools, it doesn't set you up for that. It really doesn't. And it's it's a scary, co- just thinking back again, going back to when I was in school, I didn't really have the concept because I didn't know. I really didn't know. And you have to make that decision. Before you sign on the dotted line going to college, it's going to cost me this amount of money for four years. Mm-hmm. I'm going into this profession, whatever it is. How long is it going to take for yes. me to pay that back? And am I going to be underwater? Versus going into a trades profession where I don't necessarily have to go to college. I can go to trade school, which is a lot cheaper. And I can still make money while going to school and get an apprenticeship. And there is, like you said, a roadmap. There is something I can follow. Maybe I can attach myself to someone who's older, like someone who's been in the business for a long time, and I can attach myself to them and they're a mentor to me. And they can show me the path. That too, having mentorship really early, so someone can literally guide you right through who's been there and done that to be successful. You could shave off a lot of time in your career. You'll save yourself a lot of money, and that's one thing I didn't do it in earlier in my career sure. is I didn't have a mentor until older, and I kicked myself not doing it. But you can't go back and change things. Welcome to the Skills Stadium. A podcast for the
1: skilled trades. Where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals.
0: And now, your host, Keith Williams.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 126. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Every two weeks, we feature professionals in the skill trades, hiring managers, business owners, educators, and influencers, giving real-world advice, telling it like it is with no filter. Can you do me a favor, please? If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star rating, maybe write a review, share one thing you enjoyed about the podcast, and share it. It would mean the world to me. So let's get started. Let's introduce today's guest. My guest grew up on the South shore of Long Island, New York, and is a business owner with a passion for the skill trades. My guest is active on LinkedIn, creates awesome videos about the skill trades, and what makes my guest great at his profession is that he's driven, humble, hungry, and always open to learn, not afraid to fail. During my guest's free time, he enjoys playing tennis, working out, reading, and spending quality time with his family. Please welcome the founder of Tool Fetch, Andrew Brown, to the Skill Stadium Podcast.
0: Andrew, how are you this morning? I am great, Keith. It's good to connect with you. I'm excited about today's episode.
1: I am too. I got to tell you, folks, I really learned about Andrew by watching his videos on LinkedIn. And it's amazing, these platforms and the networks and the relationships we Build just from jumping on LinkedIn, it is a powerful tool. Andrew, I I mean, I see that we're also connected to a lot of people. Um, I heard you on uh, Derek Cameron's podcast and, uh, you know, Derek's a great guy. I understand that you're going to be starting a podcast soon. Uh, Do you want to tell us about that?
0: Yeah. So I started a podcast called The Lost Art of the Skilled Trades, which talks about the skilled trades and the issue that we're having with the skilled trades gap. 40% skilled workers are at the age of retirement or at least becoming retired over the next five or 10 years. So we talk to people in the skilled trades, what we can do to, to fill the gap. And just speaking to interesting people around the country in different trades and getting their stories, definitely. I'm pretty excited about definitely. That.
1: Yeah. And looking at your history, you know, you um, worked in the IT space, and I know that nine eleven was a real turning point for you in terms of guiding your career. Because I always feel like. In order to understand people's future and where they are now, you got to look a little bit at their past. So tell us, you know, you were on the scene at 9-11. Tell us how that affected you and how that experience changed your life, because I know it guided you to where you are today.
0: Yeah, so I was uh, 23 at the time living in New York City, just to give you a little bit more context to, to the audience and was living on the Upper East Side and the planes had just hit the buildings. And like everyone else, we were in awe and it was just, you couldn't even think straight. I had a friend who was in one of the buildings who eventually made it out. And that day, I, I just had this feeling inside of me. Like i I had to do something. I couldn't just sit in my apartment apartment and wait. And I had called up my friend who was in Rhode Island at the time. And I said, you need to come down here because we need to go down and help. He's like, wait a second, I'm not coming into the city. That's not happening. And I convinced him to come down. And a couple of days later, he did come down and he came in this big blue truck with an American flag on the back. And he was dressed in overalls like a tradesperson. And he had an extra overalls and hard hat for me. We we dressed up like tradespeople. We raced down the West Side Highway. We got through different checkpoints going down the West Side Highway. And all of a sudden, I found myself with my friend standing on the World Trade Center where the Trade Center once stood. And the entire day, we were helping tradespeople and emergency workers find survivors, the entire day. And we were watching the tradespeople go into these unstable structures. The glass was falling, and they were using their saws and they were using any means necessary to find survivors. They had no PPE on. And I came away from that situation a changed person, not only for obviously what happened, you know. To us and everything that that happened that day for for 9-11, but I spent weeks and weeks, sleepless nights of how do I give back to the tradespeople that gave so much that day and, you know, obviously throughout history. And as you said, I was in IT on Wall Street. I quit my job. Like I literally like I quit my job. That's how big of a change this was in my life. And I spent the next month or so racking my brain of what to do. And that's where I co-founded an online tool and equipment business named Tool Fetch with my brother a little over 22 years ago. We're still going strong today. We still love the business. We sell tools to the skilled trades around the world, professionals such as welders, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, and other blue-collar trades. So these are the men and women who are building and repairing our infrastructure, our bridges, our tunnels, our roads. And we reach them by offering one of the largest online tool and equipment catalogs with an offering over a million different products from 650 different vendors. So products like lifts and cement mixers and drain cleaners, clean cleaners, and harnesses and stuff like that. These, This is a way for me to give back to the skilled trades who have given so much that day. And again, throughout history. And I've been working side by side with them for over 20 years, listening to their stories, listening to their struggles. And it really wasn't until about last year around September, where I started putting content out on LinkedIn and connecting with people like yourself and Derek and people who are doing the same thing and like-minded and it's been amazing experience. Yeah. I got
1: to tell you, when I first started doing work on the skill trades, I would say I wasn't accepted at first because people were like, you don't work in the trades. But as I started building relationships, it was amazing. It was like a switch was flipped where people were like, we understand what you're doing. And I feel like I've been embraced with the work that I'm doing. And I've built a lot of relationships. But uh, the biggest thing that I think we could take away from all this is we've learned that they're, they're unsung heroes. So you think about the heroes of 9 11. You think about the police officers and the firefighters. We don't really talk about the skilled trade workers when in 9-11. I personally didn't even know about that till I heard your story and heard you talking about it. And I was like, wait a minute, they were there. You know, you obviously you were there, but they were there. They didn't really get that that attention, I feel. I don't know if you feel that way, but I just an average citizen, I didn't. it's not something I heard. I gotta believe most people didn't hear it. It wasn't like it was publicized.
0: And this is what happens, what people don't really realize. When they think of first responders, they think of EMS and police, firefighters. They don't understand right behind them are tradespeople. When the power goes out, the linemen are there through the storm or just the aftermath of the storm. And they're up on the, you know, on the wires trying to fix things. And it's just you don't realize that it's not publicized. And they're working side by side with the people who. Our first responders, yep. and it's just—it's amazing. And linemen
1: have a tough job. I also started doing research. I want to have a lineman on my podcast at some point. They're the other ones climbing up. You see what they have to climb up? They obviously can't be afraid of heights, but they're climbing up and they're dealing with really dangerous stuff. I mean, they're dealing with electricity. But their job yeah. is so essential. I mean, we've all had our power out, and we know what a pain in the ass that is. And so they—they they are so valued when you think about everything you power we're not doing this podcast without power. So the work they do is really incredible. And I think that, you know, I think they do. I'm glad that there are people like yourself and Derek and a lot of other folks really putting a spotlight on this. And I think that's really the only way we're going to close the skills gap because like I said, a lot of people, the average person doesn't even know that this is a career that exists and it pays well. And I think we've got to really tap into the schools and, and start, I'd say elementary and middle school. You know, that's, I think, yeah. yeah. So um, but let me ask you this. I know that you have a strong presence online you're using videos on LinkedIn, but as an entrepreneur, can you tell us, you know, um, how the work you've done online, how that's had an impact in terms of for your business and in terms of spreading the message? How are you, how do you feel you're, you're able to connect with people, particularly in the skill trades? Because I know LinkedIn, while that's a great area to connect with people, but there is, I want to say other platforms that may be more effective to connect to people who are actually in the skill trade. What are you finding with the work you're doing where you're getting the most traction or the most impact with the work you're doing with those videos? Because those videos are great.
0: I appreciate that. And, you know, I try to be everywhere. So LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube Shorts. I've made an impact on LinkedIn. It really wasn't until... And again, going back to last year, of September. I've been, like I said, I've been doing this over 20 years, but really putting content about the skilled trades wasn't around September. And I just didn't realize how many people in the skilled trades are actually on LinkedIn. There's, a, you know, there's 80 million users, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And a lot of people are just lurkers and they just watch things. Yes. and They consume things, and it's guys like us who put out content, a very small percentage. But I didn't realize there's welders there, there's plumbers there. Yes people in all sorts of trades. And it just, you know, I had one of these videos that went viral and it was after I kind of got over these vanity metrics of that the, the video went viral. It just opened up conversations with people who just confirmed what I was saying or, or hearing from them throughout my journey in the business that I am, because I am talking to welders and, and plumbers around the country. They're saying the same thing about wages. They're saying the struggles of the skilled trades in the gap. And I've been able to connect with so many different people in LinkedIn who who feel this way. And I feel to some degree, I'm a voice of the skilled trades. And and I feel like they're, they're misrepresented and sometimes they just, they don't hear their stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do that through LinkedIn and connecting with different people, which allows me to speak to, you know, go on a podcast like, like yourself and Derek's and, and Josh and, and some other people out there and just keep pushing that message out there about the skill trades. It's all about awareness. Mm-hmm. And what you said about speaking to kids, so kids in middle school. Kids in high school, mm-hmm. yes. As you know, a lot of people know the pushes to college, and it's just not there where someone is really being taught about the skilled trades and about sort of the career paths. And it's always looked down upon. It's just this old adage of the same thing. It's just it's dirty. It's it, it's not respectable. You're not going to make money. What are you doing? And I always put content around that you know, talking about what people perceive. And it's true. It's like, if you tell someone you're a plumber, it's sort of like that kind of look like, oh, okay. But if I said I was, you know, some, I worked for a hedge fund or I was yeah. a doctor, people, oh, let me tell you more about that. So this is misconception about the trades and it's changing. Mm-hmm. And it's changing because we're all doing the work sort of together. But just going back to your original question, I think all platforms are great and just hitting different audiences. I've just had, for me, I just had the biggest impact on LinkedIn and I'm still working on TikTok and, and YouTube. And it's just about changing that perception. And I've said this before, if I could change one person, one kid who saw consumed the content and said, Hey, you know what? I didn't even know about the skill trades. Let me find out about that. Let me go to a trade school. That's a win in my book. Yeah,
1: I think now that you mentioned kids, I think one of the things that you know, I love to brainstorm. I like to focus on solutions. But I think first and foremost, people have to start understanding financial literacy. So people have to understand, okay, what's the cost of living? You know, I run into some young people. This has happened before. I've run into young people who are in their 20s who live at home. And so they're working in like retail, local restaurant. And I talked to them. And I remember I was talking with one young man. He's talking about saving up money to buy a car. He's working, you know, a local restaurant. And uh, I said, why not? You know, he's like, I need more hours. I'm like, why not just get another job? The challenge is that because this young man lives at home, he has a false sense of what it takes to pay rent to, and to survive. Like, So if he knew, like, he might, maybe he's making 12 15 an hour. He's not making a lot of money. If he understood what it costs to live and support himself, he probably wouldn't be making some life changes right now. It's not my place to tell him, hey, you've got to do this. You know, he's an adult. But I think if we start making young people more aware of what it costs to pay rent and support yourself, then it's going to help them to make better career decisions because you're going to look at, well, what does this profession pay? How much time does it take? Because that's the other key thing with the skilled trades. That's a huge advantage is one, you're getting paid while you're working. There is data on what you're going to make when you get out, not what you have the possibility of making. Because a lot of professions, they talk about, oh, you can make this, but that's in 10 years or in a couple of years. What I like with the skill trades is they, there's kind of a map for somebody just coming out as an apprentice, as a first-year person. There's a very clear roadmap. And I think we need to really emphasize that and really partner with the schools where this information is very, is easily accessible and easily found. It's just known. People know that a plumber coming out in this region of the country is going to make, I don't know, $30 an hour. I'm just, I'm speculating. I'm just putting a number out there. But if that is so well known and people know that in order to survive in my city, you have to make $30 an hour. Now they know, okay, this is a viable profession for me to make a living as opposed to not understanding the numbers. So at the end of the day, I believe you've got to understand the numbers. Once people see the numbers on the skill trades and it's just really just out there, and I, I think I've seen you make posts on the numbers, that's powerful. That's where you start to change the narrative.
0: You know, Going back to your, to your original question, I, I don't think the financial literacy is there because I can just even go back to my you know, I went to college for four years. I've said this before. I came out; I was more lost than I was when I was asked. Wow. You know, when I came out of school versus in school. So, and I bounced around different majors, and nobody really teaches you or sets you up for the outside world. Yes, unless your parents, you know, they sit with you and they work with you over time. And that's different. But until you're actually out and about, you're you're living by yourself. You don't truly understand. Until you're in it. Yes. Whatever career that you, t- and. And going back to coming out of college, you're coming out with a lot of debt. So if you paid your own way and you went to an expensive school, you could have $100,000 or so following you with these big loans and it just compounds over time. And then maybe you get a house and a mortgage and then there's more debt and more debt and And you find yourself, you never can get out of debt. I don't think kids really realize they feel like they make a little bit of money, but they don't save for the future. Mm -hmm. There was this missing component I think in schools, it doesn't set you up for that. It really doesn't. And it's it's a scary, just thinking back again, going back to when I was in school, I I didn't really have the concept because I didn't know. And you have to make that decision before you sign on the dotted line going to college. It's going to cost me this amount of money for four years. Mm -hmm. I'm going into this profession, whatever it is. How long is it going to take for me to pay that back? And am I going to be underwater versus going into a trades profession where I don't necessarily have to go to college. I can go to trade school, which is a lot cheaper, and I could still make money while going to school and I get an apprenticeship. And there is, like you said, a roadmap. There is something I can follow. Maybe I can attach myself to someone who's older, like someone who's business for a long time, and I can attach myself to them and they're a mentor to me mm-hmm. and they can show me the path that too having mentorship really early so someone can literally guide you right through who's been there and done that to be successful you could shave off a lot of time in your career you'll save yourself a lot of money and that's one thing I didn't do it in earlier in my career is sure. I didn't have a mentor until older and I kicked myself not doing it but well, you can't are, go, back. You can't I can go change, back yeah there's change nothing
1: that. you can do about it
0: but the opportunities are there to make good money and to work your way up through the apprenticeship, you know, and becoming a master in your trade, to becoming maybe an estimator, to becoming a business owner one day. There's a way to really kind of climb the ladder of success, but doing it in a way that I believe someone is helping you yes. throughout your journey. That's extremely important. So you can really be successful you know, in the blue collar trades if you have that sort of roadmap place.
1: Yeah, and I know you talk to a lot of people in the trades. I'm not sure if you talk to owners. I've talked to some owners, and here's something I've heard them say on my podcast. They're, I've had owners say, G- reach out to me. You can come and spend the day at my place of business. That is powerful because, talk to me if you're seeing this, but I feel like because there's a shortage of, of people in the trades, owners and people are more willing to treat people better because when there's scarcity, you don't want to, you know, it forces you to treat somebody better if if it's hard to find them. And what are you seeing? Because you talk to tradespeople. What are they doing? What are some of the things they're doing to try and, you know, get more people in the trades and try and close this gap? Because you talk to a lot of people in the trades.
0: Yeah. So you want to attract new people into the trades, especially the younger generation. And you also want to keep the people that are, are at your company. You want to keep them happy. And it's, there is this argument that it's all about wages. You know, wages will solve everything. Someone could be making a lot of money but be miserable in their job because the culture is crappy. Yes. And the company doesn't stand for anything. I think it's about designing your company so for the younger generation and they're not necessarily working looking for the highest wages. Yes, it can kind of sway some people, but some people are looking for more than that. They're looking for a company that stands for something. They're looking for a company that has training. Is there a ladder of success? Can they attach themselves to somebody who can teach them and mentor them? The recognition. Are you getting recognition working for a company? Owners need to to realize that it's not just put an ad in the newspaper and you're just gonna find somebody. There's more to that. People are looking for more of that, sharing success stories, you know, and and people that have worked for them and showing them what it looks like to be successful. they also want, kids want to know that they can keep climbing that ladder. If you're stuck in this one position, you can't move, someone's going to leave. Yes. If, if there's no way to move up and I'm stuck at this wage and I can only do this, well, then there's no real opportunity for that person and they may jump to another company. Core values, what does a company stand for? And the owner really has to, it has to come from leadership and it has to be pushed to people underneath them and yes. the, other departments. That it really comes from the top. And if it doesn't come from the top, then it's kind of disjointed. It's the company is just what am I work? What am I doing here? Yes. But you can also share whatever projects they're working on. If they're working on a school, well, share with them what you're creating. You know, you're creating classrooms. Kids can learn. It's, it's not just you're, you're building a school, but there's, there's much more to yes. it. So yes. sharing that as well. what the end result will be. And all these different things will help kids be more interested sort of in the trades, but it really has to come from the top. I agree. And a business owner really has to make an investment into the culture and the business. I always say you need a plan for your business and you need a plan for your employees and your culture. There's two sides to this. You can't have one of the. You need both. Uh, oh,
1: I agree. You know, I was interviewing a the owner of High Five Plumbing, and they had a bunch of great reviews. They're a plumbing company, and I found them on TikTok. And one of the things they do is they high five their their customers, and they do selfies. And they have a wall of selfies high-fiving their customers, and they're involved in their community. And so you could tell it's a fun place to work because their employees are always doing these videos on TikTok. You know, that they know, they probably don't even have to advertise for jobs. If you just go look at the video and you see the owner and his interaction with his employees, that really tells you a lot about the culture. So I agree with you hundred percent. That makes a big difference, especially when all these companies are looking for skilled trade workers and we have a shortage. So that culture, I think is very important, especially for young people. And they do a lot of training once a week. They do training, they do training for uh, soft skills, you know, how to react, how to treat their customers and then training for how to improve their skills. So, it was just phenomenal to see that the other thing too i think with skill trades is i was talking to some people in the automotive industry i remember i went to a technical school visiting the school and they were um, sponsored by mercedes a lot of technical jobs now they do like coding for example so people are it's not what you think it is so when they're working on a car they're doing all this coding so people think of an auto technician they never think about that and that's where we really got to start educating people because there are so many different trades and the automotive you know how we you talked about business everybody has a car everybody needs their car fixed that's something you can start that off as a side business. Just somebody will pay you to fix their car if you're good at it and you know how to do it and you can come to their house and you have the tools. So there's such an advantage with having these skill sets. It's going to save you money and help you make money because you can obviously fix your car. You know, talk to me about what has been, talk to me about some of the advantages and the importance of having these skill sets in your everyday life.
0: Even if you don't go into a trade and let's let's just say you, you, you take a shop class in school, which I almost feel like it doesn't exist in a lot of schools. And let's say you have that technical spark. You have that ability to to work with your hands. Yes, it might lead to a trade and it might lead to your profession. But even if it doesn't, you can learn basics, how to use machinery, how to use hand tools, how to use power tools. And you can take that back into your everyday life and you can fix stuff around the house. Yes. So if your washing machine breaks, if your sink gets clogged, If your car malfunctions, if you're, if you've already been doing this, you start to tinker around your house and one, you could save yourself money Yes, as opposed to to bringing somebody in. And you just, you have that ability to work with your hands. So I think it's great to, to at least start exploring trades just so that you can do stuff around the house as well. It's just, I do this too, you know, there's certain things I'll touch and there's certain things I won't touch, but I'm curious enough enough to attempt certain things. And I also found this, I actually got the inspiration also from my father. My father was able to kind of tinker with things and I watched it. And you see it from your parents too, that, you know, your father is, you know, someone who will attempt to fix, you know, something in the house. And it just, it kind of gave me that confidence to at least try stuff. But yes, I agree. It would help you to fix stuff around the house, tinker with your car, all that type of stuff. So having that ability to to learn a trade or two, it's an amazing thing that, you know, you can always keep for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you a crazy story. I I was working on fixing some electric things, some lighting in my house, and I partially had it done. And when a guy came and saw that i worked on it, he's like, you're almost there. He charged me less. He said, you, you know, the fact that you did, you sort of knew. I said, yeah, because I've seen it done before when they did work on my house. He goes, you were a little off on this and this and this. And he fixed it up. And it, the job cost me less money just because. Sure. So one of the things I would encourage people to do is when you do have technicians come and a lot of technicians are really great about this. E- even plumbers, I've seen them show me, they're like, okay, here's how I'm taking this apart. Here's how I'm doing it. Cause I'm just engaging them. A lot of times when people come, they don't talk to the technician. They just go and do the job. I talk to them like, Hey, what's going on? Da, 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 da. Especially with the work I do. And they just start showing me what they're doing. And a lot of times that really, that's a good way to educate yourself and save you money. Because even if you don't, like you said, you would make an attempt and you don't completely do it, it'll reduce the cost of the people are fixing. Also it could keep technicians honest. If somebody's going to be dishonest and you're aware of what how much time it takes or what it costs, people are less likely to try and take advantage of you. So another reason to be handy.
0: I agree with you. And I I see this too with people that, you know, someone just wants something fixed, but I like to look to see what they're doing because I'm interested in it. I'm interested in learning. How did you do that? What, What does this look like? How do you replace this? Yeah. For me, I think it's, it's exciting. Yeah, it's amazing. Just, they just, do it so quickly. Just,
1: they do it so quickly. Like yeah. it's something I was working on for like an hour. They come in in five minutes. Bump, 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 bump. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. They're used to doing it. They, they, you know, they have a knowledge base.
1: Definitely. So, Andrew, another thing too, you know, I feel like we've got six entities that I believe have the ability to close the sales gap, skills gap, excuse me. And I think it's falling. It's governments, schools, parents, businesses, advocates, and skilled trade workers. Who do you think really stands the best chance to really? make change? And and do you think it'll take a combination of this? Because again, I know I harp on it, but you know, it's nice to talk about it, but how do we get all these groups? Because I feel like things are fragmented. You talked about this on, on uh, Derek's podcast, how you have this group, you have these individuals and these individuals working on closing the gap, but how do we get everybody together to really attack this challenge and really close the skills gap?
0: It's a combined effort and we're, we're all playing our part. You're playing your part with doing the podcast. I'm playing my part with the video and other people are playing their parts, obviously through live events and other ways to to bring awareness. And we just need to join together. I don't think there is sort of a, a recipe per se to how to do this. I think one way just off the top of my head is you need to get to parents, you need to get to guidance counselors and you need to get to teachers. Yes. And why... I'm going to say that parents is a top priority because what's said in the house has an extreme effect on somebody or a kid. Because if the parents are constantly saying, you got to go to college, get a white collar job and don't even think about working with your hands. Well, if you've been told that for years and now you're 18, what are you going to do? You're most likely going to go to college and you're going to follow that route. Or maybe you'll follow in the footsteps of your parents. Maybe your dad was an accountant. Okay, I'll be an accountant. It wasn't even, maybe the skilled trades wasn't even talked about. So getting to parents and getting the right information that that the trades is a viable career option, that there are a lot of opportunities, that it's not just you can do other things in technology, like you were saying. It's not just being a plumber or just electrician. There are other trade avenues beside that. So if you're not interested in going this route, so the parents is a one priority. Going back to teachers and guidance counselors, companies, construction companies need to be at these trades fairs. I know some of them are and some of them aren't, but if you're going around, if I'm a kid and I'm going around from table to table and I'm looking at the the different paths that I can take maybe I'd be interested in a construction company. Maybe I would inquire about it. Maybe I can hear about some of the success stories that people have had. Oh, well, if you go take this route, this is what you can become. Of course, everybody, kids today want instant gratification. They don't want to work hard for it. And that's, that also is an issue too. Like I want it today. Let me be a YouTuber. I mean, let me do, do social media. I'll make money right away. I don't want to invest 10 years. Well, you invest, how many years do you invest in being a doctor or a lawyer and spending all the money in school? I think if construction companies can be at those career fairs, it will be extremely, extremely powerful. Maybe take them down to the job site if they're interested to show them what's what's going on. and They maybe get excited about working outside, working with their hands, and it just will open up a lot of other avenues. So I think it's just a mixture of all of us doing our Things that we're we're doing to bring upon change in the skilled trades. Again, I don't think there's one thing that's going to make Great. it happen. I just think it's a combined effort. And for us showing up every day, you showing up doing your podcast every week, me showing up every day, doing my videos every day and keeping consistent, keeping the message powerful. And, you know, it's a slow burn, but it will eventually
1: Yeah. I also think it's, you know, just stereotypes and perceptions. Like you said, like, you know, construction isn't all working outdoors. I've interviewed people in the construction industry and they do project management work. You know, they do work indoors. They're guiding the projects. There's a lot of work and it's, it's crushing that stereotype and just like the auto technician jobs, right? You're not working under a greasy car all the time. And you've got to be somebody who understands math thinking just like carpentry. You've got to be really good at math with carpentry, you know. And so it's showing these young people, hey, this is not what you think. But I think more importantly, it's showing the parents, showing the parents the numbers because parents understand that. I also feel like parents really need to smarten up in the sense that, I mean, I'm a parent, I'm at a phase where the ki- my kids don't want to take the traditional route. And my parents wouldn't have gone for for that, you know, had I told them I, you know, I wasn't going to take the traditional college route. But I think now people are educated enough to know that you don't have to take the traditional route. And that's why I'm surprised that parents are still stuck in, you know, and I guess it just depends on the age of the parent, but I don't know. I'm part of a generation and I, you know, you're a parent too, where we want our kids to be happy. We want our kids to go pursue what their gifts and their strengths are and we've got to let them have a go at it because it's their life, you know, and just like your parents couldn't tell you what to do, you know, even though they could tell you at some point, if you didn't want to do that, you weren't going to do that. That that's goes on for years and years and years, you know, so even Today, you can tell your kid, "Hey, go here and do this." But at some point, if that doesn't click with them, they don't like it, they don't love it. At some point, they're going to change. And so, I think you're right. We really do have to connect with the parents. And I do think the one thing parents understand is numbers. So if they understand, "Hey, this kid is going to make X number of dollars," because at the end of the day, most parents want their kids to be happy and be able to take
0: care of themselves. That's most parents. So of course, you want to take care of your parents. I mean. My son wants to be a soccer player. That's what he wants to do. Yes. I'm like, okay, what's your backup? Yes, yes. <laughs> Just in the soccer thing doesn't... And I talk to him about different options. And I, I never want to push my kids into something that they're not going to be happy because they're not going to respect me. And I don't want to be forceful. I want them to have the the information in front of them to make an informed decision. And I want to be able to stand behind them for whatever they do. Yes. But giving them the proper information is the most important. 100%. Thing.
1: Well, Andrew, I have final question. Look at this. This has been great. Um, If you had the opportunity to talk to yourself in 2033, the Andrew that is 10 years older, what would you ask yourself? What would you want to know?
0: I want to know if I, where my pursuit in the skilled trades lies. So where am I in this journey that I've taken? Now it's been about 22 years. So that's going to be, what kind of impact have I made? Have I changed people's lives? Allowed through my messaging to, at least change a handful of people's perception on the trades. Did I promote the trades in the right light? I want to know if and my goal is to stay consistent in doing this and showing up every day. I want to know that from 10 years from now that I've stayed to what I said I would do. I, I showed up, I committed and I worked my butt off. And now everything that I've done over the next 10 years has kind of paid off and I've made Uh, strides into uh, the acceptance of the skilled trades and have put things in motion with other people and gotten further in my journey. That's really kind of the most important thing is to stay true to what I believe today and what it will be 10 years from now. Excellent answer.
1: Well, Andrew, please share how people can find you.
0: Yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn under my name, under Andrew Brown. If you want to talk shop about skilled trades, you want to talk about tools, DM me. I'm always happy to to speak to anybody. TikTok is under my name. Our YouTube channel is under Tool Fetch. Email me at andrew at toolfetch.com. Those are ways to get in touch
1: with me. Excellent. Well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'll make sure all that information will be in the notes, folks. So all of Andrew's contact information and social media links will be in the notes. Andrew, thank you so much for being a guest. Continued success. And let's keep working together to uh, close the skills gap and change the perception of the skill trades.
0: Definitely, Keith. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.